Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So back in uh, 2002, I was serving as the youth ministry intern at First Baptist Church in Jinx, Oklahoma, and Sarah had just graduated from high school, and so we were both at church camp that June. And so we had really already, already formally met at church, but it was really during this week at camp that, that we got to know each other. And so at the end of camp that week, we exchanged phone numbers with, with one another. And I waited a healthy 48 hours, and then I decided to give Sarah a call. And this was still pre, pre-dating when everybody had cell phones, so the number that she gave me was her home phone. And so I, I called her on the phone. I waited for it as it was ringing. Someone picked up. It was her mom. And so I asked to speak with Sarah, and Sarah wasn't home So I waited a little bit longer, and I called back. She still wasn't home. So I waited a little bit longer, and I called back. She still wasn't home. But I think this is when her parents realized, Houston, we have a problem. We have a boy interested in our daughter. Now, Sarah did eventually call me back, and that was really just the beginning of our communication with one another. And then later that fall, when she went off to her freshman year of college, about an hour and a half away, we began to communicate through many different methods. Uh, we continued to talk on the phone with, with one another, but, but this was before text messaging, so we were using AOL Instant Messenger. Who remembers that, right? So we talked all the time on AOL and Messenger, and then I also may or may not have sent her one handwritten letter in the mail every week. I know, that may sound a bit nauseating to you. I, I get it. But, but as we think about this, right, the reality was we had this growing desire to talk with one another as our love for one another grew. So let me pause right here and say this. Love leads to communication, Love leads to communication. In fact, uh, if you love someone, you're going to desire to communicate with them. But, but God modeled this truth for us through Jesus Christ because God didn't just love humanity, but he communicated his love to humanity by sending Jesus Christ into this world to go to the cross to die for your sins and mine. Love leads to communication. And so just as God's love has led God to communicate with us, then it should be our desire if we love God to communicate with him as well. And the beautiful thing is, is that God has given us the opportunity to communicate with him through prayer. You know, as Sarah and I, as we talked on the phone, as we communicated through AOL and some messenger, as we even communicated through snail mail, right? That was our avenue of communication, but prayer is our avenue to communicate with God. Prayer is our avenue to communicate with God. So last week, we launched into a four-part series titled 
conversations. And, and as we're going through this series, we're simply learning about and talking about prayer. And so, if you remember last week, we looked at Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. But it wasn't only Jesus there in the Garden of Gethsemane. His disciples were also there with him. And Jesus was praying, but Jesus also asked his disciples to pray. But every time he went back to check on his disciples, they weren't praying, they were sleeping. And so, you know, I think this is true for us many times. We know that we need to pray, and maybe we even have a desire to pray, but so often we just don't do it. And I think that that happens for a few different reasons. It could be that, like the disciples, we're just tired, right? Our schedules, especially in our American culture, our schedules are full to the max. And so after going from one event to the next, man, we are tired. And so, so it could be that, that we just don't pray because we're too tired. It could be that it's not that we're tired. It could be that we're distracted. Maybe all of the events that we have going on, it's not that they're exhausting us, but, but it's just filled up our schedule. And so maybe it's not that we're too tired, but, but we just don't think about praying. We, we're thinking about everything else, and so we're distracted. But it could be that we've overcomplicated prayer. Maybe we've, we've thought about prayer and, and we've made prayer something more than it's supposed to, be, supposed to be. And so because we've overcomplicated prayer, we just don't do it. We avoid doing it. And so my prayer, as, as, as we're going through this series, my desire as we go through this series is to help us refocus our attention on our need to pray but also helped, uh, to help take out some of the complication from prayer so that we'll have some more freedom to do it. So let me remind you of an easy definition for prayer. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. Prayer is simply a conversation with God, which is good news because we have conversations with people on a daily basis. We talk to others all the time, and so the good news for us is that if we know how to talk to others, then we can know how to talk to God. We can know how to pray. So as we continue in this series this morning, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 11. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4 today, Luke 11, 1 through 4. And as we look at this passage, verses 2 through 4 are what many of us are going to know as the Lord's Prayer. Now, this isn't the first time that we see the Lord's Prayer. It's not the first time that Jesus uses the Lord's Prayer. We actually see him uh, use the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 when he's preaching on the Sermon on the Mount and he's teaching on prayer. And so he, he gives the Lord's Prayer, this, this, this model prayer for us, as an example. And so as we look at the Lord's Prayer, I, I want you to know Jesus isn't just telling us that we need to pray Jesus models prayer for us. Jesus doesn't just tell us that we need to pray. Jesus models prayer for us. So our son Ethan is in Taekwondo here in Stockdale at Duncan's Martial Arts. And, and one of the first things that they begin learning are forms. And so it's not just kicking and hitting and sparring, right? They need to know the right forms, and so from the very beginning, they begin learning these forms. But, but what I've loved as I've watched this is that as they're, they're being taught these forms, the instructors or maybe even sometimes the, the more advanced students, 
They don't just tell them this is how you need to stand or this is the form that you need to get into. They come alongside them. They stand beside them and they get into form themselves. They don't just tell them this is how it needs to look and what they're doing is they're modeling it for them. And this is what Jesus does here. He doesn't just say you need to pray. He models prayer for us. Now, as we look at the Lord's Prayer, it's not to be understood as the exact words that we are to pray every single time we pray. If that were the case, then the prayer that we looked at last week, Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, would have been an incorrect or a wrong prayer to pray. And so this is not a a word-for-word script for us. Jesus hasn't given us a script for prayer. He's given us a framework. So let me pause right here and say this. God is more concerned with our heart in prayer than the exact words that we pray. God is more concerned with our heart in prayer than the exact words we pray. So when I was in sixth grade, our church provided for our youth group some gospel tracts. And if you've ever seen a gospel track, it has a gospel presentation in it that Jesus died, that he rose again, and that if we turn from our sins, if we, if we confess our sins to him and place our faith in him to be our Savior, to be our Lord, we will be saved. But, but most gospel tracks also include at the end a prayer so that if you read through this gospel tract and, and you desire to give your life to Christ, you have a simple prayer that you can pray to help you give your life to Christ. So I had a, a friend at school that, that I knew he was not a believer. And so I took that gospel tract to, to school with me and I gave it to him and, and I asked him, take this home with you and read it tonight and then come back tomorrow and we can talk about what you read. And so he took the gospel tract home, he came back the next day and, and, and I asked him, did you read it, and what did you think? And he said, I did read it, and, and I'll just be honest, I didn't believe anything that I read in there, but I, I read the prayer at the end just to see if anything would happen. Now, sadly, nothing did happen. His life was not transformed. He continued all throughout junior high and high school to reject God, to reject Jesus as Lord, even through many more gospel conversations that I would have with him, he continued to to reject Jesus. He said all the right words when he read that prayer, but his heart was still far from God. God is more concerned with our heart in prayer than the exact words that we pray. And so as we look at the Lord's Prayer, this prayer is not to be understood as a word-for-word script for us, but it's a framework. It is a model for us. And if you are learning to pray, then I would say, well, this is a good prayer that you can pray. Uh, Certainly, this is a prayer that Jesus taught, so you can certainly use the words of this prayer as you're learning to pray. It is a good prayer to pray. But I would say whether you use the words of this prayer or whether you use your own words when you pray, don't let your prayers become ritual. Let them be relational. Let me say that again. Don't let your prayers become ritual. Let them be relational. In other words, let's not forget when we pray that that we aren't simply praying for the sake of praying. We aren't praying to to, out of obligation, to mark something off of our daily to-do list. We are praying because we love God and because love leads to communication. 
So don't let your prayers become ritual. Let them be relational. So with all of that in mind now, let's read Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. He was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. He said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us, and do not bring us into temptation. Now, as we look at this passage, I want to begin by highlighting what we see there in verse 1. It says, he was praying in a certain place. Now, last week we saw that Jesus was praying in a very specific place. He was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. But here we don't see a specific place. We're just told that he was praying in a certain place. But I think that this is a good reminder, once again, of a truth that we looked at last week. Because God is everywhere, we can pray anywhere. Because God is everywhere, we can pray anywhere. Two of my certain places to pray are in the shower and in the car while I'm driving, if I don't have anyone with me. These aren't the only two places that I pray. But these are two certain places that I pray because they're places of limited distraction. And so you may have your own certain places that you like to pray. But but wherever you are, whatever that certain place might be, you are in the right place to pray. You are in the right place to have a conversation with God. Because God is everywhere, we can pray anywhere. And so... Jesus, he's praying in this certain place. Then we read, And when he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer is something that that the disciples saw Jesus often practice. And because they saw Jesus practice prayer, they desired to practice prayer as well. They saw in in Jesus' prayer life not just ritual, but they saw this relational aspect between Jesus and his Father. And so as they watched Jesus pray, they desired to begin to pray as well. I think this is is kind of a side note, but I think this is a good reminder for us as parents. Parents, we must practice what we want our children to practice. We must practice what we want our children to practice. If you are a believing parent then your children are your disciples. In other words, they are going to follow your example. And so if you want your children to grow up with the desire to to be a part of a local church body, to, to worship, to gather together, to serve together, then you must practice that yourself. If you want your children to grow up with the desire to read their Bibles, to grow in their relationship with God then you must practice that yourself. And if you want your children to grow up with a desire to pray, to spend that time in conversation with God, then that's something that you must practice yourself. Because our children are going to practice what they see us practice. They're going to see not just in our words, but they're going to see in our actions what we value most in this world. And what they see us valuing through our actions, let me tell you, they're going to grow up valuing those things 
as well. So the disciples, they saw Jesus practice prayer, and because they saw Jesus practice prayer, we have this request. Lord, teach us to pray. And I think this is such a great desire for us. Because as we think about this desire, not just for the disciples then, but for disciples today, as we think about this, it's so good for us because when we pray, we imitate Christ. Jesus practiced prayer. And so when we pray, we imitate Christ. And as Christ's followers, we are called to be imitators of Christ. So desiring to imitate Christ... This disciple says, Lord, teach us to pray, and I love how Jesus responds. He doesn't say, you know what? You should know how to do this already. You've seen me doing it already. You should know how to pray. What's wrong with you? He also doesn't say, you know, I preached about this in my Sermon on the Mount. Where were you? Did you fall asleep during that sermon too? No, as this, does, this request is made, Lord, teach us to pray. What we see Jesus do is he begins to teach the disciples how to pray. And so he gives them this model prayer. And so as we look at Jesus' prayer, this model prayer, there's a couple of things that I want us to learn together this morning. First, sometimes our prayers will include requests. Sometimes our prayers will include requests. Let's look at verse 3 again. Jesus said, give us each day our daily bread. Sometimes our prayers will include requests. Now, as I look at my own prayer life over the years, I've, I've got to be honest, this is the area that I have struggled with the least, right? Because I know what I want. I know my desires, right? Whether my desire is for health for my family, whether my desire is for financial sta- stability, whether my desire is simply for, for things to go my way, I know my desires. I know what I want, and you likely know your desires as well. And we are invited to bring our desires to God. We are invited to bring our requests to God through prayer. In fact, in Philippians 4, 6, we read, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We are invited to bring our requests to God. Whatever those requests might be, we are invited to bring them to God and to simply have a conversation with God about them. Remember, last week we talked about having open and honest conversations with God. Listen, if it's a a desire on your heart, if it's a request that you have, God already knows it, and so there's no sense in hiding it from Him. You can take it to Him with, with an open and an honest heart. But I do think that it's important for us to note that that while we can bring any and all of our requests to God, the focus of Jesus' request here wasn't for a fancy car, wasn't to win the lottery, it wasn't for a nicer house. The focus of Jesus' request here as he gives this model prayer is, give us what we need today. Give us each day our daily bread. And if I'm honest, man, I think that's, That's a much better place for my heart to be in than give me more stuff or give me better stuff. It's a much better place for for my heart to be in to say, God, would you just give me what I need today? And so while, while we can bring all of our requests to God, we can be open and honest with God, I would encourage us to, to allow God to shift our focus from 
God, give me more stuff, to God, give me what, what I need today. God, would you take care of me today? And here's the truth. When we pray for that nicer car, when we pray for that bigger house, when we pray for the basketball team to win on Friday night, that was my prayer, right? When we pray those things, that may or may not be in God's ultimate plan. That may or may not be in God's will for our lives. But here's the deal. When we pray, God, would you take care of my needs today? That is in God's will for us. In fact, Jesus talks about this in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, saying, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God taking care of us today is in his good and perfect will for our lives. And so when we pray, not just for more stuff, but when we pray, God, would you give me what I need today? We can know that, that when that's our request, that our requests are in line with God's will for our lives. So sometimes our prayers will include requests. Second, sometimes our prayers will include repentance. So look at verse 4 again. Jesus said, And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. Sometimes our prayers will include repentance. Now, while we may not struggle with these prayers of requests, I think sometimes we do struggle with these prayers of repentance where we confess our sin to God and then turn from that sin. Because I think what happens many times when we sin, the temptation is instead of going to God, confessing our sin to God and then turning from our sin, many times the temptation is let's go run and hide. Let's hide our sin from God. This is what we see happen in the, the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve after they sin. They, they go, they run and hide. But even in the Garden of Eden, we saw that Adam and Eve couldn't hide their sin from God. And so I want you to remember, we can't hide our sin from God. We can't hide our sin from God. God knows the things that we struggle with. God knows the things that we've given ourselves over too. We can't hide our sin from God. But we, while we can't hide our sin from God, we can take our sin to him and we can confess our sin to him and we can turn from that sin and we can ask God for forgiveness. And the beauty is, is that when we go to God and when we ask for forgiveness, he grants it. When we go to God, when we ask him for forgiveness, when we come to God with humility and when we lay our sins before him openly, honestly, and we, we just confess those sins to God, God forgives us. Understand, forgiveness is the desire of God's heart. And maybe you need to be reminded of that this morning as you look at your own life. Forgiveness is the desire of God's heart. How do I know this? Because of Jesus. Listen, Jesus didn't come into this world and go to the cross on accident or without purpose. Jesus went to the cross with great intention and with great purpose. And that purpose was to make forgiveness available to all who would call on his name as Lord. Forgiveness is the desire 
of God's heart. And so I would encourage you today, if you would say, man, that you are enslaved to sin or your life is marred by sin, you are trapped in a sin struggle, I would encourage you, go to God, confess that sin to God, be forgiven of that sin, and begin walking in the freedom of Jesus Christ today. And then, just as Jesus prays here, do not bring us into temptation. Ask God to help you not to return to that sin. Because here's the deal, that temptation's going to come again. And in his strength, you can overcome that temptation. So sometimes our prayers will include requests. Sometimes our prayers will include repentance. Finally, this morning, always our prayers are to be reverent. So let's jump back up now to verse 2 as Jesus opens up this model prayer. He says, Father, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come. Always our prayers are to be reverent. Now as we look at that verse, that's the way the CSB words it. If you're reading from another translation or maybe you've learned this in another translation, you may be familiar with the entirety of what that verse says, uh, what we see in Matthew 6 when, when Jesus gives this model prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there are three things that Jesus recognizes in this statement as he opens up his prayer. And I think that these are three things that, that we need to keep in mind when we pray. Here are the three things. God is higher his kingdom is the priority, and his will is better. God is higher, his kingdom is the priority, and his will is better. And I believe that when we understand these three things, and when we begin to approach God with reverence because of these three things, it's not only going to help us begin to grow in our prayer life, but we're going to see more and more of our prayers answered. Because what happens is when we recognize that God is higher, his kingdom is the priority, and his will is better. When we recognize that, and that begins to inform our prayers, what happens is that, that the pursuit of our life takes on a new form. No longer am I simply pursuing my own desires. No longer am I simply pursuing my own kingdom. But now I'm pursuing God's will. I'm pursuing his desires. I'm pursuing his kingdom above my own. But not only that, I'm pursuing God himself. And when God becomes my pursuit, when his will becomes my pursuit, when his kingdom becomes my pursuit, and I am praying for those things to be accomplished in my prayers, then God's answer is yes. But I can't see that in my own flesh and in my own pride. I can only see that when I look past myself and when I begin coming to God with great reverence. And whether we go to God with requests, whether we're going to God with repentance, or whether we're praying about anything and everything else, whenever we come to God, we need to come with Him with great reverence because His name is holy. And so as we look at how Jesus modeled prayer for us, my prayer is that his prayer, this model prayer, will help us to grow in our prayer life, 
will help us as we desire to have these daily conversations with God, will help us as we desire to be faithful in prayer. But you know, before you can begin growing in your prayer life, first, Jesus needs to be the Lord of your life. And if you would say that he's not, then let me offer you today the the first and most important prayer that you can pray today. It's not simply a prayer of conversation. It is a prayer of confession. And that confession is, Jesus, you are Lord. And if you've never made that confession, then I want to give you the opportunity to do so today. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond It's going to be your opportunity to have some conversations with God. And today, if you're here and you would say you've never made that confession, you've never declared Jesus as the Lord of your life, you've never turned from your sins, allowing Jesus to forgive you and cleanse you, but today you're ready to do so, recognizing that Jesus died, that he rose again, and that he is the Lord. If you're ready to make him the Lord of your life, then as we sing, I would invite you to respond. Join me down front. I'm just going to be standing right here. We can talk, we can pray, we can make that confession together today. Today, you can know Jesus as your Lord. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, I've made that confession, but I've never taken that next step of obedience in baptism. We don't believe that baptism saves us, but we do believe that it has, it's something that God has called us to if we have been saved. And so if you've given your life to Christ, but never taken that next step to publicly declare Jesus as your Lord through baptism, then I would invite you to respond as well. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've taken that next step of baptism by immersion. And I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale. I know that God's calling me to make this my church home, to connect my life, to connect my family's life with this church body. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, I would encourage you to respond to him obediently. Would you stand with me right now? We're going to have a conversation with God together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.